guys, welcome back to the DW podcast. With, as you probably expected, another one of the NBA redrafts. Uh, here with Ben Beccarelli per usual, and up, guys? Uh, we are going to be talking about the 2014 NBA draft. Yeah, this is um, not a great draft, to be completely honest. It's it, um, and then really falls off, and then it's just a bunch of you know rotational guys and guys like that. I mean, yeah, we kind of hyped up the 2010 NBA draft as a terrible draft, and it kind of was, but it, it's probably better than 2014, and it's definitely better than 2013, so maybe it's not that bad. Uh, we will get to ranking them when we finish all of these, but anyway, uh, for the 2014 NBA redraft, the Cavs selected first. They ended up trading their pick, which was Andrew Wiggins, to the T-Wolves, along with the pick their, year, their pick the year before and Anthony Bennett for Kevin Love. That is obviously a blockbuster trade. And, and with their selection, which it's debatable whether the pick is Embiid or Nikola Jokic, uh, we actually have different answers. Then you package them for Kevin and Love, and it probably works out in both teams' favor, considering Cavs won a championship, and it's a good player for the Timberwolves. So, anyway, who do you have going number one to the Cavs? Yeah, number one to the Cavs here, I have Joel Embiid going. I think either way, you do it, Jokic or Embiid, I don't think you can... I, I don't, you could easily make the argument either way. Um, probably the two best centers in the game uh, coming both in. in I mean, yeah, draft. whether you consider Anthony Davis a center or a power forward, obviously, goes against that argument if you call him a center. But, but anyway, I think this – I'm going with Jokic, as you guys probably figured out, because I said that we have different people. Uh, Jokic has been very good. Uh, and, I, and I think the reason we, we go back on this, and this is the pick, because of Jokic's <coughs> versatility. Now, this coming up season was really the season where the three-point revolution started. And maybe if you're going back to this timeline or this time in history, then you're probably going Embiid. But I feel like if we know how this, the NBA is going to turn out and how Jokic plays and, and how Embiid plays and compared against each other, I think Jokic is the best fit. Um, yeah, I think in that sense, that certainly makes sense. Um, yeah, I think knowing what we know now with how much the NBA would change due to the three-point um, evolution, etc., um, I think, I think Jokic makes sense, um, but I think, I, I don't know, I think either, either way. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, okay, we will continue or not continue to move on, but... We will move on to the number two pick where the Bucks who selected Jabari Parker in real life. Uh, we, You guys probably know who we both select. Um, I have the, the Bucks selecting Joel Embiid, and I have – and you obviously have the Bucks selecting Jokic, right? Uh, now, right. I think either way, and although maybe this never ends up working out so well – uh, with Giannis, I think this is very cool to see. And I think, to me, I don't know why. It's not because I think Embiid's like better than Jokic, because I don't. I think Jokic is better, but but I think this Embiid-Giannis pairing would be more fun than this Giannis-Jokic pairing. I think that's arguable, but I feel like both of them are just kind of beasts down low, and I think that would be pretty overpowered if that ended up happening like at, at this stage in time, not back in 2014, because Embiid could not get on the court. Uh 
I think either way, these are good picks for both of these first two teams. Yeah. Right. Uh, with the third pick, the Sixers uh, made their best pick um, of the decade. In some people's opinion, I am not necessarily on that belief, but, but I think it's arguable with the 2014 pick and then the 2016 Simmons pick. Uh, anyway, with this pick, I'd be Sixers selecting a an all-star level player in, in the East, so he's not really an all-star level player in the West, but he's also on a terrible team, so maybe if you put him on a good team, then he's really not that good at all in Zach Levine. Um, yeah, I have the same pick here. Um, it, yeah, I think that this ends up working out, um, for, or it, it really doesn't um, end up working out, or... Maybe it does. We never know. But I think it's not ideal for your for the Sixers. Um, anything other than Embiid or Jokic, and I think it would this draft would have to be automatically considered. Right now, Zach Levine could be the best player in the process. Uh, and then maybe he's the guy from there on out. Maybe Zach Levine. I'm not calling Zach Levine better than Embiid, but but when they were at their peak worst, which was 2015, 16, and 2014, 15, we'll consider in that group also. Uh, the it wasn't even like Embiid was on the court. So yes, maybe when Embiid returns and Zach Levine is the guy, then you see decline. But I think if we're taking those seasons, so maybe Zach Levine turns into the player we've seen him be on the Bulls sooner just because he – I mean, we saw first saw Levine thrive when he was the guy on his team, which he has been for the past few years on the Bulls. Uh, he was obviously part of that Jimmy Butler trade. But, but when we saw him on the Timberwolves, he was just this young, athletic kid with some potential, and now he's looked at as an all-star level guy. So I think this isn't a terrible pick, just slightly worse than Embiid. Uh We'll move on to the fourth pick where the Magic, who selected Aaron Gordon. Uh, not a terrible pick by any means. Once again, probably like Levine, probably more famous for his r- being robbed in the dunk contest or, or just the fact that he was very good dunker. Uh, I do not have them making the same pick. Uh, I have the Magic selecting Clint Capella. Um, yeah, I, I would um, disagree with there. I think um, the magic here go with Aaron Gordon. Um, I, I just I think I think you know again when it's close enough, uh, I give the benefit of the doubt there to the, um, to the, to the player that that actually went there. So I think it's close enough. Um, here in this case, yeah, I, think I Aaron agree. Gordon's and you'll see that like one time I think that stands out later in this draft, uh, or not that later, but but a few picks later in this draft. I think. That is logical. The I, and I think the only reason I stick that would stick in that direction is if this guy either brought the team success or helped bring the team success. And besides his one playoff appearance last season, and um, and they will make the playoffs if we have the rest of an NBA season uh, this year. Then uh, then I I don't think he's really done much for the Magic. He's been a good player, and maybe they're probably their second best player behind Vucevic over over time since he's been drafted, but he never really brought success, and I think Clint Capella is at least slightly better, so that's my reasoning for that pick here. Uh, now we right. move on to the fifth pick to the Jazz. Uh, they selected Dante Exum. Um, never worked out. Uh, 
just to point it out, because I feel like Exum really models this, uh, this might be the most, most likely is the most hyped up draft class we have ever seen. Everyone was projected to be so good, and I think a big reason of that were like uh, eye-catching things like athleticism, which we saw a lot of in this draft, even with like guys like Exum and Wiggins and, and Jabari and Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine and other guys like that. So I don't think this draft class ever necessarily showed like so much talent as prospects. They were just eye-catching players, but that, that has to do with Exum. Anyway, I have the Jazz selecting the guy you had going with four in Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I have the uh, Jazz here going with a guy you had going at four in Clint Capella. So we just uh, flip. Yeah, uh, we had the same top five, just in different orders, with three being the only same pick, which I think is kind of interesting. Now, this was, if I'm not mistaken, the first. Yeah, this is the first NBA redraft where we've had a different first pick. Uh, just had to point that out there because we've had very similar NBA redrafts. I, I think this one's still similar, just just slightly different order. But anyway, uh, we will move on to the sixth pick. The Celtics are on the clock in real life. The pick was Marcus Smart, who's never been a all-star level player like you maybe wanted him to be, but he's been a very consistent defender and one of the better. I, I think you could argue that he was – at least in terms of consistency, uh, maybe the Celtic of the decade. I think it's arguable just because he kind of spent six years of this decade on this team. Uh, but anyway, I think they stick with this pick because Marcus Bart has worked out pretty well in their favor. Yeah, um, I would agree with everything you said there. Marcus Smart is also the pick for me. Um, again, I love, I like situations where you get to put guys back where they were um i i think this is one where it there's um a good amount at the top where you can do that yeah now with the seventh pick, the lakers selected julius randall another extremely hyped up prospect uh as you'll see many times throughout this draft now julius randall in some sense maybe you stick with this pick because he's been good but with that being said, one, his best season of his career, you could argue, was... No, you could argue this year, but it was probably last year uh, on the Pelicans. So, he never exactly showed too much success on the Lakers, which, uh, in that sense, maybe you don't repeat the pick, because then the same uh, thing probably ends up happening. So, I think the Lakers look for a guard. Uh, this was a draft where they snagged. Jordan Clarkson as well, who was a pretty solid player for them for a few years. I think they get another guard who didn't exactly bloom until, you could argue, probably last year, maybe two years ago, in Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, I think uh, the Lakers stick with uh, what was their pick in Julius Randle. Um, I like Dinwiddie. Um, He is the next pick for me at eight to the Kings, as you said. Um, has really come on strong in these last few years um, as as a backup point guard, a backup to D'Lo, and then a backup to Kyrie. Um, so, yeah, I think um, Julius Randle is the pick there for me at seven, and Dinwiddie is the pick for well, me. Well, and at I eight. think because the Nets play the Sixers a lot, so so I'm watching a lot of Nets games, I, and I think especially now that the Nets are on national TV a lot because of the Durant and Kyrie, even if neither of them are playing. 
I think Dinwiddie, there are many times, even when other players are healthy, where he is the best player on that team. And, and I think this will sound as, probably as ridiculous as, as anything coming out of my mouth could seem, but, but I feel like Dinwiddie could be their, their so-called player of the future. Now, he's not necessarily young enough to be the player of the future, but, but I probably said it before. Maybe I haven't, and I'm just introducing this thought. I do not think Durant's the guy in Brooklyn. Uh, nothing against Durant, obviously, and he's a great player last time we seen him play, but you can't really name one example except for maybe Dominique Wilkins uh, in the 80s, who, who's really bounced back well from a torn Achilles. We've seen it recently with DeMarcus right. Cousins and other players. So just to ramble about Dinwiddie's future with the Nets, I, I think he is a very bright future ahead of him. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, I think I think um, Irving and Durant um, will will be. Um, I, I personally think that that's the future um, in Brooklyn because I think you know even if you have you uh, I I mean I guess uh, a star in Kyrie Irving and then you know a, a superstar last time we saw him, but I I, I would agree with you, Dill. Um, that he doesn't come off the Achilles injury um, and, and he doesn't come back the, the way um, we last, the last time we saw him. Um, so I, I would agree, but I still think that, you know, having, having two stars um, and then, like you said, a solid player in, in Didwini, um and not to and mention DeAndre Jordan. And Gary Allen. Um, yeah. Pretty good foundation for the future. Right. I feel like, uh, but anyway, after all of that rambling, for not exactly such reason, uh, we move on to the Kings selecting. Now, of all of the Kings' terrible 2010 picks, I think this one might be at the top of terribleness. Now, now Willie Cauley-Stein in 2015, not a good pick, but he's a fine player. Uh, 2010 with Cousins obviously worked out. Uh, 2011 with Jimmer is pretty bad, but I gotta say this one's worse. Uh, I, I The pick here was Nick Stauskas. Now, you traded this guy, and you must have traded this guy knowing that he was terrible. I feel like they he traded him to the Sixers. He's on the Sixers for a few years. Uh, and the trade, just to prove how bad Nick Stauskas was, the trade was Nick Stauskas, Jason Thompson, and Carl Landry. Uh, and, like, there was, like, a pick, and the Kings and the Sixers were wheeling and dealing with, like, a pick like they had to gift the Sixers a pick just a protected first round pick and then the swap rights with Sacramento that came into play in 2017 at where the Kings got the third pick and the Sixers got the fifth but they swapped Sixers got three they traded up to one to get Fultz now that never really worked out and the Kings ended up with Darren Fox so, so in theory but in it, technically you traded the future first pick and Nick Stauskas just for whatever. So I, just to prove how bad Nick Stauskas was. Anyway, uh, I think the Kings select the former first pick in Andrew Wiggins. Um, yeah, I like that. Wiggins goes uh, and just one pick later for, for me. Um, to yeah, I, I think Wiggins, obviously, you see the hype surrounding this guy. Um, coming into even college, 
he was the consensus number one pick. Now, I think Jabari Parker made it an argument, but he was most likely the consensus number one pick um, all college basketball season. I don't know. Maybe I feel like there were some. I don't exactly remember because I was not like so into the draft, but at the time, but I but I watched it and I think I was convinced that Wiggins was the pick, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure at the time. I feel like Wiggins is one of the more hyped up. Pro- I mean, we saw the LeBron comparisons, Kobe comparisons, Durant comparisons. I mean, we see that every once in a while with guys, and a lot of the time. Um, they do not necessarily live up to expectation. I don't think that will be the case with a guy like Zion or or other people in the future. But I think Wiggins definitely is didn't work out for his expectations. But he's not a bad player by any means. Right. Uh so we move on to the ninth pick. You obviously already said that the pick was Wiggins to the Hornets. The pick in real life is Noah Vonleh. Uh, not a hard player but not good and and definitely never good for the Hornets uh he was decent last year and the Knicks never particularly special uh anyway I think the Hornets select Julius Randle here a guy you had going at seven now Julius Randle was never great or has never been that great but I think I mean I think he's been good on terrible teams like the Knicks this year but I think a Hornets team that contended not like for a championship but but were a fringe playoff team probably for a few years from like 2015 2014 to 2016 17 I I don't know something like that maybe he could have been a helpful part uh along with like Kemba and and Al Jefferson and other guys like that uh we'll move on to the 10th pick where the Sixers are on the clock for the second time yeah, and, and I think the Sixers here go with Gary Harris. Now, um, with this pick in real life, the Sixers took Alfred Payton. And then, then um, flipped the... him to the Magic at 12 for Dario Saric. So, if we're right. taking that trade, then Gary Harris is getting traded to the Magic for a guy that I am pretty sure we both have, um, or, or that you guys will both see in a moment. I have the pick being Gary Harris as well. Uh Gary Harris is a not a great player, but a pretty pretty good player. Uh, or he's been a pretty good player. Um, not not terrible. I think he probably could have helped the Sixers at points in time where where the shooting was not ideal. Now you you'll see where the pick where the tra- what the trade is in a in a few moments. Uh, we will move on to the 11th pick where the Nuggets are on the clock. Now, once again, this pick got traded. Um, the pick, in theory, in real life, was... Um, was the, the pick, in real life, was traded also uh, to the Bulls for Gary Harris and Yosef Nurkic, which is extremely ironic for a reason you will see in the sec. Um... For for Doug McDermott, so that was obviously a terrible trade. Now, once again, in theory, uh, the Nuggets who selected Bogdan Bogdanovich with mine. Um, who do you have the Nuggets selecting? Yeah, I have the Nuggets here going with T.J. Warren. Um, Bogdanovich doesn't go too much later for me, but T.J. Warren. Yeah, I think either here. one works. I have Warren a pick or two picks later. Um, and we'll move on to the 12th pick where the Magic are on the clock. Now, we both have the same thing. I looked. Um, we have the Magic 
uh, trading the Sixers, Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkic for Gary Harris. Um, yeah, I think uh, in some sense the the Sixers trade for for Dario Sarge ended up working out for them. Obviously, after he came over, it was the two years that he wouldn't come over. Um, but I think. That that basically ended up working out for the Sixers. Yeah, uh, this is obviously a pretty good pick. Or I and I think Nurkic even is even better here. I I don't know because Nurkic obviously has injury concerns. Judging off of that gross injury last year, uh, but but I think Nurkic and um, for Gary Harris is a W in some books just because they also took Levine. So I think not it. Nurkic might be the smallest consolation prize ever for Joel Embiid, but it's not a terrible consolation prize. Um, anyway, right. we'll move on to the 13th pick, where the Timberwolves selecting TJ Warren. In real life, the pick was Zach Levine. Now, maybe this ends up working out better for the Timberwolves, who never really got too much out of Zach Levine, except for two dunk contest wins. Uh, I mean, if we're judging off of current, TJ Warren actually had a very solid season this year, but not as good as Levine, obviously. So, so I mean, both picks actually work here. Who do you have going at 13? Yeah, here at 13, I have the Timberwolves going with Joe Harris. Um, has been a sharpshooter um, for, for basically all of his Yeah, Yeah, uh, that's the only reason the team will take him. And the reason I did not have the Timberwolves or a team like that taking him is because they don't really have pieces to surround Joe Harris that, that can distribute the ball to him and, and shoot and so he can like be like that. I think it's more ideal to draft Joe Harris to a team where you have the pieces so you can you can spread the floor and get open threes to him. That's the main reason I don't think the Timberwolves select him here. So anyway, we will wrap up the lottery here with the Suns on the clock. Uh the 14th pick, the Suns. I have the Suns selecting Rodney Hood. Um, yeah, Hood goes um, just a few picks out of the lottery here. I think the Suns here go with Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, I had him going 11 now. 11 might be the slightest reach of all reaches just because uh, he did not start playing in the NBA until 20. 20- 17 uh so he's only been in the league really for a few years now uh he's not a good he's not a great player but maybe maybe just the situation he's in if it's a slightly better situation he comes to the league faster uh I'm not 100% sure why that would happen but but you never know uh a pretty solid player so I think this ends up working out for both teams, as Rodney Hood is a pretty decent player also. Uh, we'll move on to the 15th pick where the Hawks are on the clock. Now, in real life, uh, we did not say the pick at 14. Uh, the pick in real life at 14 was TJ Warren, um, who we both had going slightly earlier. And then for the Hawks, the pick was Adrian Payne. Now, he's pretty good at Michigan State. Never really made much of his NBA career, but but not as bad as some other picks in this draft. Uh Anyway, with this pick, I'd be Hawks selecting Jordan Clarkson. Um, yeah, I actually have the same pick here. Um, one of the few picks that we agree on. Um, Clarkson has been solid throughout his um, career. Um, has you know made a career these last few years out of being um a role player, and and that has worked out for him. Um, 
but I think, um, yeah, this is same pick here. Yeah. Um, for both uh, not a terrible player, not not amazing. He was pretty good on the Lakers. Uh, but but maybe wasn't that good in the Lakers, and he was just kind of the guy because when it, for most uh, for majority of his Lakers tenure, uh, he was the guy because they were so bad. Uh, and then I think he was on the or he was part of that Isaiah Thomas trade from the Cavs to the Lakers. Uh, at the 2018 trade deadline, we'll move on to the 16th pick, where I have the Bulls selecting Dario Saric. Um, yeah, I have him going um, a few picks later. I think the Bulls here going with the guy I believe you had going earlier in Rodney Hood. Yeah, I had Rodney Hood going 14th. Uh, I think Sarge might be a reach in the sense that once he was gone from the Sixers, one, he's not been very good since, and, and two, he didn't come to the NBA until 2016. Uh, both are fair cases to be made. Uh, you have him going slightly later, I presume. Uh, I was going to have him go slightly later, but I decided this isn't a terrible pick. Uh, we'll move on. We're just going to continue to fly by kind of these last few. Because uh, once again, like we say, probably every episode, once we get to the role player portion, uh, that we're not going to talk about these guys for like five minutes. Uh, Anyway, with the 17th pick, I'd be Celtics selecting Joe Harris. Now, in real life, the pick was uh, James Young, who probably did just about nothing, but but not horrible for this draft class. I think I considered having him go in the first round. Uh, anyway, I think Joe Harris is a good fit on the Celtics. Um, yeah, I have the Celtics here going with a guy that went 10 to the Sixers in real life and obviously was flipped for Dario Sarge, as we talked about. Um, so I think that the Celtics here going Yeah, I have Al- Alfred Payton going 18th to the Suns. Not a terrible player, probably more remembered for either his hair or his terrible free throw shooting, but, but not a bad player by any means. Uh, like I said, with the 18th pick, I'd be Suns selecting Alfred Payton. Who do you... Who do you have the Suns selecting? By the way, yeah, I have the I have the Suns here going with Dario Saric. So somewhat ironic that guys that were flipped for one another go back to back here in my redraft. Did not. Yeah, and that. Dario Saric is on the Suns now. If I'm mistaken, right? Um, That's it. Yeah, Saric not terrible, not great, but but better than Tyler Ennis, which was the pick in real life. Uh, now we will move on to the 19th pick where the Bulls who selected Gary Harris in real life, will select Dwight Powell. Um, yeah, I think that the um, Bulls here go um, with Jermani Grant. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Uh, Jeremy Grant was pretty decent on the Sixers, good on the Thunder last year, on the Nuggets now. Not not bad. Uh, we're just going to continue to fly by these. Uh, the 20th pick, the Raptors selected Bruno Caboclo a.k.a. the Brazilian Kevin Durant. Now, no one probably knows, no, most, a lot of people probably know this story about Caboclo, uh, Brazilian Kevin Durant. Never did, never amounted to anything that Kevin Durant did um, in the NBA, but he, he did hang around. There was one season, I remember, where I think he averaged, like, probably, like, six points per game on, uh, probably less, but, but on the, the Grizzlies, and I think he's on the Grizzlies this year, never did much. Uh, I mean, the most, I'm looking, I pulled it up, actually, 
uh, the most points he ever or the most games played he ever played in the season was was 34 so I guess that says something anyway we'll move on from talking about the Brazilian Kevin Durant to say who we have been redrafting I have been redrafting Jabari Parker um yeah I have the Raptors here going with Dwight yeah Powell. I obviously had Dwight Powell off the board a pick earlier so Jabari was one of the one of as ridiculous as it seems, one of the um, second most hyped up, maybe the second most hyped up prospects we've seen in a while before Zion came, but, um, or like at the time before Zion came, uh, what a hyped up prospect. It was just kind of unfortunate that he was in the same class as Wiggins. Now, not that either amounted or have amounted to much in the NBA so far. Jabari has kind of vanished. Now, now he's in the league and on the Kings, and, and he gets minutes, and he scores a decent amount, but, but he's never really lived up, and he never did live up to his expectations. Now, I think there were seasons where you where you potentially said that Jabari is going to be good in the future. Uh, I mean, after his rookie season, which ended in injury, but but other times as well. But it never really happened, especially on the box. It never or or you looked so hype to like pair him with Giannis on the box, but that never really ended up working out because they were both kind of too similar, not in skill level, but in play. Uh, Anyway, we'll move on to the 21st pick where the Thunder are on the clock. Now, the pick in real life is Mitch McGarry. He was on the national championship appearing um, Michigan team with Trey Burke and Karis LeVert and Glenn Robinson and other guys, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, definitely missing someone obvious, but but that's a story for another day. Uh, Spike Albrecht, uh, that short white guy who kind of went off in the national championship game. Anyway... Uh, who do you have the Thunder selecting? Yeah, I have uh, the Thunder here going with a guy you just uh, rambled about for a little bit in Jabari yeah. Parker. Yeah, uh, Jabari, like we already talked about, was a maybe a better pick if you're picking him at 21 because not all the hype is surrounding him. And then maybe a works sure. out on a Thunder team. Uh, coach probably well or better than the Bucks were at the time. You never know. Um, maybe he turns into a good player, like backing up. Like Durant, or or maybe starting at power forward next to Durant, but I have the Thunder selecting Kyle Anderson, another not terrible player, uh, decent value at twenty one. I think he's a pretty good player off the bench nowadays. Not not bad, maybe not the role players in this draft class. I'm not gonna lie, the role players are pretty good. Now I think the role players are better than right. usual. But the the top is not better than usual. I, yeah. I think that's actually right. I, I would agree. Like it's probably deeper than usual, but it's not top heavy at all. And, and I think a lot of these draft class need top heaviness, or else they're looked at as terrible. But anyway, with the twenty second pick, I'd be Grizzly selecting a guy you had going at nineteen and Jeremy Grant. Um. Yeah, I think that the uh, Grizzlies here go with Langston Galloway. Um, a, another guy who has made, um, has made, um, playing time out of, you know, just being a role player like we've talked about. With yeah, I have Lincoln guys. Galloway going a few picks later. Uh, not a terrible player. I'm pretty sure he was, like, the leading scorer on the Knicks in his rookie season and then never really amounted to much else. He kind of just hangs around these days. Uh, with the 23rd pick, Ivy Jazz selecting Tyler Johnson. Um, 
Yeah, I think that the Jazz. Uh, well, sorry, we actually have the same pick here. Um, I like this pick for the Jazz. Um, not an awful player is often looked regarded as worse than he actually is, mostly because of his atrocious contract. Um, but it, yeah, another one that yeah. we agree uh, on there. Once again, if you never get overpaid for whatever the reason he wa- that was that he got overpaid, then, then maybe you turn into a better player than he ended up turning into. But I think once players get overpaid and it's recognized as overpaid, that's when you kind of, unless they are good players, which Tyler Johnson really isn't, then that's really when you see a downhill, um, a, da- a downhill regression, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the 24th pick, the Hornets, I have the Hornets selecting Dougie McBuckus. The pick? Yeah, I have him going. I have Doug going with the next pick. I think that the Hornets here go with Yeah, just to uh, go back to the actual draft picks, because I did not take 22, um, 23, or now 24. The 22nd pick. The the Grizzlies selected Jordan Adams uh, with the twenty third pick. The Jazz selected Rodney Hood, and then in theory with the twenty fourth pick, the Hornets selected Shabazz Napier, traded to the Heat, obviously because because LeBron loved Shabazz Napier. Um, that then he left, but but anyway, uh, uh, Doug McDermott, you could call him a sharpshooter, you could call him a a scorer, you could call him a terrible NBA player and it's only remembered because he was amazing in college. Whatever you want to call him, but never really turned into much. But he's a decent role player at times. Right. Um, we will move right along here. Yeah, we'll just keep we'll just keep flying by. Uh twenty fifth pick the Rockets and realized selected Clint Capella. He's obviously long off the board for both of us. I think the Rockets select the guy who actually went five uh in real life in Dante Exum. Yeah, I think that uh, the Rockets here go with a guy you had going at 24 in Dunkin'. Yeah, Exum, uh, obviously not a garbage player, but, but not a good player. I think he is, no, he is the living, breathing definition of a decent NBA player. Now, not, I'm not going to call him decent, to be honest. Or maybe you call him decent if he does go 25th in the draft, but then you probably don't, considering he went number five in the draft and he's compared to the likes of, of like Kobe Bryant, uh, a foreign version of Kobe Bryant, but still. Uh, so I, I don't think this is a great pick, but maybe with the lack of hype surrounding him, he ends up turning into a good player. Yeah, um, again, that's another... Um, one that we keep bringing up with these redrafts again if there's if there's not as much hype maybe they maybe the pressure comes off them a little bit and they you know perform better um anyway i think that um the heat here um go with uh Kyle Anderson yeah i had him going uh slightly slightly earlier Kyle Anderson not a bad player i think he could could be a good score on those heat teams uh that we're kind of relieving, or, or we're, we're kind of, or LeBron wasn't gone yet, but LeBron was gone two weeks later. Uh, so, yeah, that ended up, he could end up being a, a, not an important player because his teams never saw much of sex, but a key player on a Heat team that, that is good or, or not that good, but, but decent. Uh, the pick in real life was P.J. Harrison. Now, P.J. Harrison was traded to the Hornets in that Shabazz, trade not once again not a terrible player uh but but not great uh didn't really stick around which kind of probably 
dropped his draft stock. He was at North Carolina, and then he, like, went to the D-League or something. Or something. It was something weird like that. Maybe that's completely wrong, and I'm thinking of somebody else. But, but anyways, the 27th pick in real life, the Suns selected Bogdan Bogdanovich. Once again, long off the board for both of us. So I have the Suns selecting Langston Galloway. Um, yeah, I like that pick. Obviously, I had him going five picks earlier to the Grizzly. I think that the Suns here go with um, a guy that I've um, watched um, in the second half of this season on the Sixers and Glenn Robinson. Yeah, Glenn Robinson the third. Not terrible. Probably if we're comparing guys now, he's better than most of them, but he didn't exactly come on as a good role player until this year, maybe last year. He won the dunk contest that one year. Year, And and obviously his dad is a pretty quality NBA player, not necessarily what he is, but but not terrible. So anyway, not great, but, but I think he ends up being good at some point in his career. Not good, but, but better than, or, or around where he is now at some point in his career. Uh, we'll move on to the 28th pick, where I have the Clippers selecting Noah Vonley. Um, yeah, I have him going uh, 29 to the Thunder, as we will just kind of fly through these last <laughs> few picks here. I think that um, the Clippers at 28 go with Shabazz Napier. Yes, uh, makes sense. Uh, I think I obviously have him off the board to the Heat, ironically, once again. Uh, that works out well, I think, in some sense, or, or just as well as you would think it would. But uh, we'll just keep moving on. 29th pick, Thunder, Glenn Robinson the third. Who do you have the Thunder selecting? Yeah, I I them going with Noah Vonley, um, a guy you had going at twenty eight and at thirty to round things out. I think that the Spurs go with Tim Frazier. Yeah. Now with the thirtieth pick, I have the Spurs selecting a guy who I say with not certainty but but confidence, the worst player in the NBA, Cristiano Felicio. Now, why would I have the worst player in the NBA being selected? Not decided yet, but but Felicio's hung around. Now, once again, terrible contract terrible player. Not necessarily that bad of a player if you don't give him a good contract. Uh, Felicio is is the worst player in the NBA. I say, like I said, with certainty. But maybe the Spurs make everyone good, so I think he could turn into a better player than the worst player in the NBA. Uh, Tim Frazier, the, the reason I didn't have a guy like Tim Frazier, uh, because he didn't really hang around where, where Felicio did, and he's been in the NBA since 2014. So for that, for his so-called durability, that's why I'm kind of valuing him higher than other guys. But basically that wraps up our redraft portion of of all of this. Uh, we will move on to some what-if scenarios. Uh, sorry about that. We'll, we will start with a simple one in... With them going in the mid to late, uh, or, or it's in the, in the late uh, single digits and the late, um, in the late, or the early 20s, um, do the tandem, who was very hyped up in Wiggins and Jabari Parker, turn into better or uh, good players without all of the crazy hype surrounding them? Um, I think that there um, is probably a lot more variables um, than just than just hype. I think that that's tough to say, you know, ne- one definitive way or the other. Um, I-, I don't know that I could necessarily guarantee to you that Andrew Riggins would be 10 times better if he was um, if he was picked at at nine as opposed to one. Um, 
I, I think potentially he does, but then, but then maybe he doesn't, and he still, I don't know, has he still isn't as good as he was hyped up to be. So I think that um, there, there's a lot of variables that go into that. So I don't know that I could necessarily say definitively one Brad, way or the I other. Think Wiggins really is not a bad player. Or we see potential with Wiggins. He was pretty having a pretty solid season before it got suspended. This year, and Jabari's probably done. Now, maybe the, maybe do they turn into better players? Maybe, but I don't think they ever turn into the guys that they were hyped up to be. So, I guess it's kind of a no for both of us. Uh, we'll move on. Now, do Jokic and Giannis, or, or Embiid and Giannis, whichever way you had it going, end up being a, a scary pair? And same with Jokic slash Embiid with, with LeBron, because I presume they still end up getting LeBron. Uh, or, or not Jokic and LeBron. Ignore the the first ones, because we assume Jokic ends up getting, or Embiid gets up trading for Kevin Love, but do Giannis and Jokic slash Embiid turn into a very good duo, or, or do they both wanting to be the star player, does that kind of clash against each other? I think, quite honestly, I think that Jokic ends up working out a little bit better than Embiid. Um, I think because Jokic is more of a guy who can distribute the ball and is more of the quote-unquote modern center. And Embiid is too, but I think Embiid prefers to be kind of that old-school guy um, who, who likes to play in the paint as opposed to to to, to shooting threes and distributing the ball and, and handling the ball like, like Jokic is able to. Um, so I think that Jokic probably pairs a little bit better with, with Giannis because Giannis likes to be in the paint. So I think it's tough. And we know that all too well as Sixers fans, that it's tough to have two star players that like to be in the paint on I the agree. same team. Uh, now, unless you have any standouts, I don't think many other. What if scenarios come to mind? Do you have anything else to say? No, I really don't. You can uh, wrap it up. Thank you for uh, yeah, having uh, me. I hope you guys enjoyed. We will be recording tomorrow, a 2015 NFL redraft. Uh, this was a not as interesting maybe as usual, just because not as good as a draft class, but still fun as they have been throughout. Uh, this will still be – we're not even halfway through, guys, yet. Uh, so we still have a lot of podcasting to do. I hope you guys enjoyed – 